I want to show you guys uh, a little bit of what, um, what Christmas looked like in my house. Before I do that, I want to hear from you kids. Kids, guys, what do you want for Christmas? What do you really want for Christmas? Uh, a car. A, ca- a car? <laughs> oh, not a real car. Okay. All right. Awesome. What else? What do you, what do you, what do you want for Christmas? I want earbuds. Earbuds. All right, guys, you getting this down, parents? Yes, Mark. Uh, I want to get a cat. A cat. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Anybody else? What do you guys want for Christmas? Anybody? Nothing? Oh, what? A baby doll? Oh, that's cool. All right. All right. One more. What else? A fire truck. Okay. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, let me, let me show you guys. Like, so uh, Christmas was a really big deal uh, in my house growing up, and you were about to like, be transported back to the 70s. Uh, that is me. Those pajamas do have feet in them. I think it was like a rite of passage when I finally got like pajamas with no feet in them. I was like 18. It was great. Um, I don't remember exactly what that was. That, that is uh, me with my Bobby Orr hockey game with the metal rods. You see how much my mother loved the icicles on the Christmas tree. It was awesome. Yeah, um, that's me and my older sister. You see, that's the CNSA. CNSA's got to have been around since like, I don't know, Roman times or something. Uh, the little workbench, and then um, that's me finally with my Tonka truck I see there and uh, some other stuff. Listen, um, gifts were so, I mean, my parents were just generous. There was only two of us, and, uh, and uh, they just were really generous, and Christmas was a great time. Now, for those of you kids who liked, wanted a fire truck and, and, and cats and everything, what, what would it be like if you woke up on Christmas morning and all your gifts were these. And then he's like, what? What, what? Socks? What if all you got for Christmas was socks? <laughs> I already got socks. All right. So, so listen, like there's a reality uh, about this season that we're going into and, and uh, I always had things that, that I really, really wanted, and, and I got amazing gifts from my parents. Um, but there's another reality where, you know, normally there was like at least a box of, of socks, a box that had some underwear in it, some new pajamas or something like that. And there's always this disconnect, whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult, like what you really want for Christmas and sometimes what you really need. Okay, like I, I grew up in Pennsylvania uh, in December in Pennsylvania is not very warm. So like I might just love the Tonka truck and I might just love the CNC, but if I didn't have socks on my feet, well, there'd be people knocking on my parents' door, even back in the 70s. Like there were things that I needed that my parents knew that I needed. And even though they love giving me like the, the, the nice flashy gifts, what I really needed and what we really need sometimes are the basics, right? And Advent, uh, if you don't know, every week of Advent has a different theme to it. And we would sit there, even as adults, and we would say, listen, if I could literally say, what do you want God to bring you this Christmas? You know, you might say, listen, I want a new job. Listen, I want a, a new relationship. Listen, I want, I want a, a peace on earth. I want all of these good things. 
Um, but there's another angle to this, and that is like God knows what you want, but then God knows also, I believe, what we need. And each week in Advent, as we anticipate the coming of Jesus, is, is, put, is themed around something that I believe that we really need in the world and God knows we need, and that is hope, love, joy, and peace. And God is sitting there saying, like, I get all the big things that you want. But what you really, really need in your life personally and, and what the world around you is you actually need some hope and you actually need some love and some joy and some peace. And if we cultivate these things, even though they may not be super flashy gifts like a fire truck or a, a cat or a baby doll, like they're the things that ultimately bring about deep meaning in our life, right? And so we're gonna explore the, the meaning of, of hope now, let me show you real quickly. Uh, we call this series, When God Said Yes. And it comes out of one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It comes out of this letter that Paul writes to a, the church at Corinth. And he's uh, sort of introducing the letter. And he says this about Jesus in, in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, God's son, Jesus Christ, uh, he wasn't just yes and no. I love it. He says, uh, in him... In Jesus, it's always yes. All of God's promises have their yes in Jesus. And I, th I just thought that was just the most beautiful, evocative language. That Paul's saying, listen, whatever God promised the world, and again, if you think of it in terms of Advent, if God promises the world love, joy, hope, and peace, every one of those promises, Jesus is the yes to those promises. And so I just thought, you know, thinking about the coming of Jesus into the world, that is the time when God said yes to the world. He said yes to hope. He said yes to love. He said yes to joy, yes to peace. And so we're gonna explore those things. Now, what I wanna do is, is take you through hope. And I wanna take you through what it means when God says yes to hope and what it means for our lives. And I wanna do it by just going back to the, the scripture that Claire Grace read for us, Jeremiah 33. Um, the scripture says this, the time's coming, declares the Lord, when I'll fulfill my gracious promise with the people of Israel and Judah. And in those days, and at that time, I will raise up a righteous branch from David's line who will do what is just and right in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is what he shall be called, the Lord is our righteousness. So, uh, the prophet Jeremiah through, and, and God speaking through him is talking about a time in the future where there's going to be somebody who comes and they're going to rule with righteousness and the world is going to be a place of safety and security and uh, this figure is going to do what's just and right in the land. And it's a hope-filled pronouncement. But what's funny about hope in the Bible is that hope is separate from circumstance. Hope is separate from circumstance. Now, let, let's pause for just a moment and just kind of start with the basics, like, what is hope? Well, uh, again, in Greek, the word that's used in the New Testament is a word that simply means expectation. So if you want to know what hope is, I would just say, what do you expect to happen in the world? When you wake up every morning, what do you expect the world to be like? And if we really pushed on each other and you were honest with me and I was honest with you, we could get to the point where like saying, actually, yeah, you know, when I wake up every day, I expect things to be great. Or some of us would say, actually, when I wake up every day, I expect the world to be full of trouble, right? 
And, and uh, I always like to kind of say, I, I could tell you very quickly where you fall on this if I say a very simple phrase to you and I watch your reaction. And the simple phrase is this, Chuck, I need to talk to you. Obviously, you guys have encountered this phrase. <laughs> that simple phrase, I think, betrays what we feel, what we feel about our expectation. Because most of us, I can say to people on my staff, hey, uh, I need to talk to you later this week. <laughs> and I could just watch them go into anxiety land. <laughs> Even if I say, it's nothing bad. It's no, no big deal. But it's like, when you hear those what do you expect? And most of us expect something heavy, something difficult, something that's going to be really a challenge. And so uh, what we expect out of the world is really important because that's kind of tells us how we do with hope. Do you, do you always think that things are going to turn out well? Or do you think, oh man, if Eric's had to talk to me, you know, I mean, literally kind of the joke with, with, with me and folks when I say that, like, you know, I thought you were going to kick me out of the church. And part of me was like, ah, ah, ha, ha, and I'm like, wait, did you really think that? Like, that I even have that authority? So hope is expectation, and what do you, what do you expect out of the world? And, and again, what's interesting about the Bible is the Bible talks an awful lot about hope, but it also talks a lot about hope in very difficult circumstances. And I think that's really important for us because I think that sometimes when we see things that, that talk about hope in the Bible, we think that somehow uh, it's, it's associated with a promise that things are going to be perfect and that therefore hope will come easy because life will be easy. But if you really read the Bible and you know the context of it, you'll know that that's actually not the case. So for instance, Romans 8, Paul's writing again to a church. He says, I love this about hope. He says, we were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that's not hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it. With what? Ooh, that's the other kind of barometer of hope. I used to really have attention with this verse because I'm not a patient person. I'm not a patient person. So I would have an area of my life, God, when are you going to change this part? When are you going to change this circumstance? And I was always impatient. And yet hope is about basically saying, I expect something good to happen. And what's interesting to me about this verse is that, listen, Paul's writing at a time when the church, it has no power. It has no political power. It has no economic power. It's tiny little groups of people who are struggling through life in the Roman Empire that's going to become increasingly threatening to them. And yet Paul says, you know what? Expect good things. Expect them and wait patiently for them. Expect them, expect them, expect them. And I'm like, oh man, like that's a hope message that's not part, that's a challenge to my reality. When God says yes to hope, he says, listen, just start expecting good things to happen. Even in the midst of whatever you see in the world. Jesus does, does us no help in this uh, topic, by the way. No help. So in Matthew 6, Jesus says this to his followers. Listen, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Every day has enough trouble. Jesus never says, listen, you can have hope because everything's going to be perfect from now on. He says, no, every day is going to have trouble. Every day. 
So how do you have hope and how do you have expectations about it? In John 16, uh, he's talking again to his followers and he says it this way. Listen, I've taught you all these things so that you'll have peace in me. In the world, you're going to have smooth sailing and never, wait, no. What's it say? Distress. Distressed. But then he says, be encouraged because I've conquered the world. Listen, church people, can I just point out that he says, I've conquered the world before he is dead, before his resurrection. In Jesus' very life, he says, I have conquered the world. So before we even talk about what Jesus does through the cross and the resurrection, we talk about something in his life says, listen, there's gonna be distress. You can have distress, but still what? Be encouraged, have hope, expect good things. And I love that. It's challenging, but I love it. I really wish that Jesus had said, listen, from here on, there's not gonna be any, tr- any trouble in the world. But he doesn't. He says, there'll be distress. There will be challenges. The world will be challenging for you. Your life might be difficult, but expectations can still be up and to the, to the right, so to speak. So when God says yes to hope, something happens in the universe that says, we can have hope now. What is it? What exactly happens? I was just jotting down some ideas this morning and I just want to kind of uh, share them with you because again, this hope happens before the cross. It happens before the resurrection when that baby is born. When that baby is born to Joseph and Mary in Nazareth, God says yes to hope in a profound way. So here's my thoughts on it just from this morning. Listen, Jesus was born in like Nowheresville, Nazareth, just the backwoods of the backwoods. And just that fact right there says, listen, uh, where you're from is not as important as who you are and what God is doing in your life. It does not matter where you were born. It does not matter what history you carry in you. What matters is what God is doing in your life. Jesus was born in Nowheresville, but he had a dynamic, fluid relationship with the Father and changed the world forever. Because of Jesus and the birth, he says, listen, you don't have to be rich and powerful. Jesus was neither of those things. You don't have to be rich and powerful to experience God's presence and power in your life. You just don't. You don't. The fundamental, uh, the fundamental reality of Jesus is that God himself can choose to show up anywhere at any time because he shows up in the fullness, in his fullness, in a person. Think about that. The creator of the universe, the fullness of his power present in a guy from Wakulla. I only said that because I pick on Perry all the time and I decided to spare Perry. But I think like we just, we kind of laugh, but you got to realize like Nazareth was nowhere. Should have been born in Jerusalem. That's where the powerful are. So God can show up anywhere, anytime. Jesus walks around and he spends all of his time with outsiders and poor people and people who are far from God and people who need help and their lives are messy and he sits down with them and that tells me that God is on the the side of the outsiders and he's on the side of the poor. He's He's on our side too. But he's on the side of the outsiders. That's the way Jesus lived his life. 
God's presence is everywhere and he desires to have everyone know his radical and transforming love because that's the way Jesus lived his life. That's why hope is is, is a thing. And the way I would sum it up, uh, Jesus has this interaction with his disciples and he says, listen, it's harder for people to come into the kingdom of God. Uh, He says it richer otherwise, but in the context, he really means everybody. It's harder to come into the kingdom of God than it is for a, a camel to get through the eye of a needle. And his disciples, rightly so, said, well, then who can be saved? And he says, anything is possible with God. And so when all of those things happen, when God's on the side of the outsiders, when he can show up anywhere, anytime, when he can put the fullness of himself into a human being, I just say, anything is possible. So that means as bad as my circumstances get, anything is possible. Anything is possible. I can expect good things because Anything is possible because God coming into the world said yes to hope in a very, very practical way. So that's the reality. What I want to just do in the last couple minutes I have is I want to show you or I want to encourage you to do something about it. I can tell you the reality, but I think there's another part of it that God, in, in a crazy way, he asks us to partner with him in this, these activities, these creating of our lives. So uh, I want to show you something. Um, this is a plastic plant. You can go buy one that looks just like it, I'm sure, at a, a myriad places. Okay, You can buy that plant, and it comes just like that. It's green. It will stay green probably until Jesus comes back. <laughs> I do not have to care for this plant. It looks like a green plant, but it is not. This uh, is a vine that uh, my wife gave me, and I will be honest. She said, I'm going to get you a plant for your office. Don't worry. You don't have to care for it every day. Uh, I'm just going to start once a week is about what you need to do to take care of this plant. I have tended this plant. I water it, and it grows over time, and it is green. I have managed not to kill it yet. Now you can go and you can buy a green plant from a store and it's plastic and it will look green and you don't have to do anything to it. But you know what you don't get? You get none of the actual benefits of what it means to have a green living thing in your office. It does not give off oxygen. It does nothing to the environment. It doesn't really help. It looks good. But to really get the benefits of a plant, you have to cultivate it. You've got to tend it. You've got to care for it. Now we can go out and like buy a t-shirt that says, I don't know, whatever, hope something. We can get bumper stickers on our car that says hope does. I don't know what it is. But there's a difference between just kind of like taking an easy approach to hope and cultivating hope. And what I'd like to challenge us to do is to be a community that cultivates it. Because listen, The world out there, I live in the same world you do. I do. It is easy to despair. It is easy to despair. So we are called and invited to cultivate a hope that goes beyond our circumstances. And I'm going to tell you how to do it in just three easy related steps. Challenges, invitations, however you wish to take them. The first one is to look, tell stories. Tell hope stories. Tell hope stories. How easy is it for you to sit around in a group of your friends and tell 
the bad stories. I would challenge you, actually, if you're willing to do an experiment, uh, sit around with your friends. Um, guys, I want to say we are particularly good at this. Uh, guys, sit around and put a stopwatch on and just see how long it, starts to, it takes you to start talking about something negative. Just time it. It won't take long. Intentionally tell stories of hope. Because if you don't, you'll tell all the stories that we all know. And that won't cultivate hope. And in a similar way, I would tell you, celebrate hope stories. I always like the image of like, uh, you know, um, if you've ever gone out into the woods or to the wilderness and really had to make a fire from scratch. And there's that moment, you know, where you have the, the embers and they're starting to glow. But if you don't like get in there and, 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 and breathe into that, what's going to happen? It'll just, it'll, just, it'll just die. So you get in there. When you find stories of hope in your life, breathe on it. Tell everybody you know about it. Because we all live in the same world you do. And we all hear all the stories against it. So cultivate it. And encourage each other. And pretty soon you start saying, like, man, my expectations can actually uh, be solidly on the positive side because I'm starting to hear more of those stories. And then the last thing I would say is a focus on impact rather than concern. And what I mean by this is um, um, decades ago, uh, I think my father-in-law actually put a book in my hand called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by a guy named Stephen Covey. And in that, he has one of the very first things you learn in that book is you have a circle of concern and a circle of influence. And the circle of concern you can do very little about, but the circle of influence you can change. And I think when we start talking about hope and, and managing hope over despair, like we, we our, our circle of influence, our circle of concern rather, is, is worldwide now, 24-7 worldwide. And if you focus on it, guess what? It gets really hard to maintain hope. And, and focusing on impact isn't nearly like as, as sexy and flashy because uh, impact might be the one person that did something good in your life and it might be the one thing that you can do that's good in the world today and tomorrow. But it is something that you can change and control and impact. So what your impact can be this, this uh, season, serving somewhere, helping somebody that, that doesn't have the resources you do, doing something and then celebrating it and tell stories about it. Hope does not just happen, at least meaningful hope. But if you can cultivate it, you can become a person that expects good things in the world. And that's what it means when God says yes to hope, he invites us to say yes to it as well. Amen. Amen.